Welcome to the 11 Dubcast, sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. It's, it's Johnny Ginter. It's Johnny Ginter. I am, I am the host tonight because uh, Bo was called away by the Browns to go do Brown stuff. I don't really know. But luckily, we have in his place our good friend, Andy. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing great. And I'm, I'm laughing. You're doing Brown stuff because I'm like, you know, I don't know. there's, I don't there's know so many things do. that could fall in, you know, to the basket of doing Brown stuff. But, but <laughs> some of that stuff might actually be good and positive these days where, you know, two years ago, doing Brown stuff was just drinking and making bad decisions. You know, it's, well, a, it's, I mean, it's a new day. <laughs> look, I'm not going to hate on that. I'm a Bengals fan. That would be a step up at this point. I'm, fine with I'm that. a Steelers fan. And I've got to tell you, I ain't even mad. Like, I'm happy for all my friends friends who root for the browns like the now i hate the ravens with the fiery passion of ten thousand burning suns but 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 for the you know there's just all these long-suffering buckeye fans who have who have pledged their wagon to the team on the lake and god love them this is great i hope freddie kitchens is the savior and i gotta say this too baker mayfield has has made me eat crow i thought he was going to be the you know like trailer park version of johnny football and sure my 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 golly goodness boomer sooner he he knows what he's doing up there and it's it's been kind of wild to watch he's he's ridiculous and i i'm with you dude i was like oh good let's dra- go ahead and draft another undersized quarterback yeah, That's not yeah. Really what could good possibly idea. go wrong <laughs> yeah and, and honestly like i'm a browns fan uh only one day of the year and that's the day of the year that i actually watched the draft because that's the funniest day of the year to be a browns yes. fan and i expected them to you know just be completely stupid and make terrible moves but the past couple seasons they've actually kind of made me you know not as excited to be a browns fan on draft day because they actually were smart and did what they were supposed to do uh, at least in retrospect so yeah baker's kicking complete amounts of ass it's crazy and you know they're better than the bengals right now which is a terrible thing to admit and it makes me sad in my in my soul but it's what i grew up with so i can i can handle it i'm tough i was raised in the darkness I will, you know, live and thrive in the darkness from now on. Well, Let's I, talk a little I mean, about Ohio State. That's a good way to start the I'm glad I can help kick off on the Browns podcast. Pain and death for as long as we can. Um, it is it is the bleak midwinter, but let's talk a little about what's going on with the football team. We've had massive changes on the coaching staff. We kind of discussed that last week. Now we can talk a little about massive changes with the player personnel, right? With with the players that are actually going to be on the field. Tate Martell's been dominating a lot of the talk. I, we'll get to him in a second. And I want to clarify some things on something that I wrote uh, last week, which got several hundred comments. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not ideal, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but I do want to talk about some of the people who are coming back. Positively, this is really great. KJ Hill is coming back. And I am super Super stoked for that. I, don't, I mean, Andy, I'm sure you're happy about it too. I, I frankly, I'm, I think that's kind of unexpected. I didn't see that coming at all. Well, and and I like the reasoning behind it, you know, because he he could very easily have pulled the trigger, but yeah. but you hear him talk about, you know, he knows where he is on the leaderboard of the all time great receivers, and and I like that in the sense that he's playing for something, you know, as opposed to well, I didn't think I was going to make you know, first or second round or whatever sure. might have you. I'm coming back because I have to. He's coming back. And in the old school, crusty SOB part of me that loves amateur sports in the purest sense, loves that. He's coming back to do the deal. And, and that gets me excited because there's still that that part of me. It's like, you know, be true to your school. Let's pop on the Beach Boys and, uh, uh, and you know, r- r- root uh, for the home team. Uh, I'll, I'll just love that stuff. And he's got the goods, right? So you've got now 
a unit that two seasons ago was this, you know, back to almost clown show days. And now, uh, wow, they're the strength of the team in a lot of ways. Yeah, so KJ Hill, the interesting thing is obviously he can improve his draft stock, I think, a little bit because he's still a little under the radar. But I do love the idea of him coming back, being a veteran guy who can really support a new quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields or anybody else. And we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, it's he really has a chance to submit a pretty impressive legacy at Ohio State. He had an incredible season this past year. I mean, I like I wrote about it earlier in the season, but the guy was just unbelievably consistent all throughout the season. I uh, always seemed like he was there just coming up with, you know, when they needed a first down or when they needed like a guy who can get them like eight yards and they, they absolutely had eight yards and he would get them like 15. Cause he was great at like just finding ways to, to sneak his way into the, the secondary. I just, I was really impressed by his consistency. I think he's not the most physically talented, you know, wide receiver in the history of the universe, but just so unbelievably good at the, the, art of getting open and i love that like i think that's really awesome so 70 i mean what 70 receptions uh almost 900 yards receiving the guy is really great and he's gonna really he's gonna make ohio state a lot better and the other thing i want to point out is that this is this again this is a ryan day offense it's not an urban meyer offense you want a guy who can catch trillions of catches and he can do that when i look at that wide receiver room uh, and, and you're gonna have you know how many stars you go back to uh, the the Jimmys and Joes versus the X's and O's mm-hmm. Hill, Mac and Victor all as uh, you know, senior Saunders as well as the seniors, but you know, Hill, Mac and Victor, Victor, you know, I, I don't know if I'm as high on Victor as, as I am a couple of these other guys I'd be curious to see how Mac comes back. Uh, but you know, Hill and then uh, some of these younger guys too, that are coming up behind them, but they're, they're just a lot of options there yeah. for, presumably uh, young Mr. Fields coming in to sling the rock at them or, uh, you know, whoever might end up behind center. But I, I just think this offense, you know what we know about Ryan Day, and then just as I'm looking at this roster, yeah, he he's going to have some playmakers there. Uh, and and I, I don't know, aside from – a few uh, nits to pick there, there wasn't a whole lot to gripe about with this offense this year. There was, there, there were plenty of warts on the team as a whole, but by and large, that offense was a machine that, uh, that just worked pretty well most of the time. And I, yeah, I mean, I would say that I think, I think they need to develop the running game and be more creative with that. And I think there are ways that they can do that with a more traditional setup, which you're, you're going to get when you've got guys coming in from Oklahoma State and whatnot. Uh, Chris Olave, I mean, you were talking about some of the guys around there. You, there's definitely youthful talent on the team that's going to push that. And and that's just, I mean, an embarrassment of riches <laughs> at a position, and we always bring this up, but in a position that just had no real depth or talent to it, at least seemingly a couple seasons ago. Now it's the absolute strength of the team. Uh, also coming back is Damon Arnett. Now let's talk about some of the people who are leaving uh, um, so we've got, uh, I think, you know, Kendall Sheffield just kind of talked about it. Uh, he's, you know, it's not 100% certain, but it's, it's probable. You're looking at some of the other guys who are going to be leaving. Uh, I think, you know, Mike Weber's out, Michael Jordan, there are some hits that they're going to have to fill. There's some holes that they're going to have to fill, uh, on the roster because, you know, it's, it's not. You're going to get this every year at Ohio State. You're going to have a lot of turnover. You're going to lose some guys to the draft. But 
to me, I want to ask you, what do you think before I answer? What do you think is the biggest loss going into uh, going in next season? Aside from like the obvious of like, you know, Nick Bosa and so on. Well, so, so, I mean, I, uh, Nick, I thought you were going to say Dwayne Haskins as being the most obvious. Uh, well, sure. Uh, I mean, Haskins that's what I mean. Like besides, yeah. besides Dwayne right, right, and, right. and Nick, who else? Those, you- those two guys for sure. Uh, I think of the six, let's just look at the six uh, counting Sheffield, uh, six Buckeyes who had eligibility left that are going to go into the draft. I think Michael Jordan's clearly the, the big, biggest loss there of guys that you hoped would come back be, yeah. because of of need for the team not not so much you know hey he's gonna go and and uh get paid and i'm all i'm all about that sure. um but from a team standpoint you know i i think we, we go back to the warts on this particular office you talked about the run game um you know i the offensive line, I guess, made a believer of me later in the season. You know, early on, I was not sold, and I was probably one who, when we were talking about staff turnover, if uh, uh, if Coach Tadrawa had been one that had moved on to greener pastures, I don't know if I would have, uh, you know, cried overly much in my cornflakes. Although uh, our own Kyle Jones, um, you know, may, maybe makes me feel a little bit better than uh, otherwise when he reminds me of how many uh, award-winning um, centers and all Americans, uh, stud has put out over the last, you know, three, four seasons. Okay. Fair point. Um, but definitely I think, you know, Jordan's, Jordan's the big loss, right? So that's, that's one I I'm hopeful that the starters are going to be able to hold the line. I'm concerned about the depth of the line next season. I, and that's where I was going to go as well. I mean, Draymond Jones is a huge talent on defensive line and losing him sucks. But yeah, Michael Jordan uh, not being on the offensive side of the line is is difficult because of the depth issues and some of the other things that you have to think about. So that's going to be that's going to be really interesting, especially if you've got a running game that might continue to struggle next season. If, if that's something where they can't get up to speed, you really, really want a guy who can be a road grader who can, you know, kind of set the tone for the rest of the offensive line. And I think, you know, they, they got much better as the season went on. But, yeah, you got to have a dude there. And, and losing that kind of veteran experience really does not help. Last thing I want to talk about with uh, guys getting out of o- Ohio State, getting out of Columbus, is, of course, Tate Martell. And one, just I want to issue a little bit of clarification on something that I wrote. So I wrote something last week where I was talking about uh, Tate Martell. And basically the idea behind it was that, uh, first of all, while he is not guaranteed really anything, you know, Tate, that's not how football works. It's not how college football works. Uh, Tate Martell also is kind of a product of what we expect from quarterbacks. He's been kind of this, this preening arrogant guy for a really long time. And somebody in the comments, I think actually said it better than I did, which was, you know, if Tate Martell was a solid lock to be Ohio state starter in 2019, people would love him saying and doing what he's been doing. They love the fact that he's out there saying like, you know, I'm in charge and I've, you know, I've been here for two years and blah, blah, blah. But because they see something else, you know, they see a guy like, you know, Justin Fields who can come in, who is a great talent and I think will benefit Ohio State immediately. Then they tend to be a little dismissive of Tate Martell. So it's, it, to me, it's, it seems a little unfair to ding the guy for being arrogant and thinking he's the best in the world when we kind of encourage that pretty much at all other levels of recruitment and, you know, when they're practicing and all that other stuff. So, you know, I, I, 
more power to the dude. I think he's going to go on to another school and be uh, successful. I think he's an incredibly talented guy. I also don't think he's quite as talented as Justin Fields. And I'm, I'm cool with the situation, frankly. So, you know, it's, it's a business. It is what it is. And I think the Martells of all families know that. I don't think they have any illusions about that. So it's, to me, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's just interesting how a guy who is perceived as really like, you know, kind of full of himself or arrogant or whatever, we wouldn't feel that way if he were the you know quarterback of our team. So I just think that's an interesting, I don't know. Interesting you know I, the thing I think about though, Johnny is I, th- I think there's something to be said for people want their quarterback. People like a quarterback who has that confidence, but also shows that, um, if you want to call it humility, humility, humbleness, down to earthness. Sure. I don't know. Take, take but for, why, but, take I guess, for, but Andy, my question is why, like, why do people like that? Why do, why do they want that out of like a quarterback specifically? Well, I, I'll, I'll add this. I think, I think people are, uh, and sports fans in particular are fairly fickle. You know, <laughs> we, we could see this in back-to-back seasons. You look at, uh, you look at Joey Burrow. I mean, were there bigger Joe Burrow fans uh, this season while he was at LSU than Ohio State fans? My gosh, no. Ohio State fans collectively watched more LSU games this season than they probably have in the last 10 years. Right. And and why? Because I think, A, everybody understood exactly what you said. It's a business. Joey knew he wasn't going to get the start, but he, he fought for the job when coach told him, hey, it's not your turn. We wish you well if you want to go. And he went and everyone, I mean, he was like universally supported for that decision. I didn't read two negative things about Joe Burrow leaving Ohio State to go be the starting quarterback at LSU. Right. Now, fast forward, you you said it for one thing, um, you know, some of the stuff that I mean, Tate, Tate's kind of made the situation what it is because of all of the smack he talked like he was almost trying to scare Fields off. Right. Uh, Which is- Field, Fields calls <laughs> yeah. his bluff in essence. And, and then what, a week later, <laughs> two yeah, weeks did. later, Max, he's in the, he's in the, the transfer portal. Like right. that's, that's what it, it's because it comes off from him as disingenuous hypocrisy, whatever talk a big game. But then when the chips are down, he could have waited until after spring ball, like Joe Burrow did, there would have been right. somebody out there who would have taken him on after spring ball and given him a chance to compete for the job. If he's got the goods, no question in my mind. And I think that's a valid criticism. I think I think that is absolutely 100% valid. I just, I guess I take issue when people, I, I think what I see is that people are already defending a guy in Justin Fields who wasn't the quarterback yet and kind of pillaring a guy who is still technically on the team, right? And, and Tate Martell. And it's it's mostly because it's, to me, it feels like a, you know, grass is always greener kind of situations. Like, let's get the guy who will get us the championship. Let's get us the guy who will get us, you know, the the victory against Alabama or whoever. Well, and that's well, fine. Yeah, and that's and I right, and I don't like I, <laughs> right, and I don't I don't have a problem with that. I just I think it's a little unfair to Martell in general, just because like there's literally a Twitter account like called Arrogant Urban Meyer, right? Oh yeah. Like, oh yes, I'm, and it's terrible. Uh-huh. It garbage. is. It's, it's terrible. Horrible awful unfunny uh twitter account but the point is is that like we we talk about this like Irvmeyer like just like you know 
strides into a recruit's home and just drops the, you know, plinks his uh, national championship <laughs> ring on the table and then walks out and just slides like a, you know, a, a commitment letter underneath the door on his way out. Like, we love this idea of arrogance, and then we get angry when players actually exhibit it. And I just, I think that's kind of silly. Yeah, um, I think the, I think the issue though is there's there's a can you back it up? We love arrogance if you can back it up. Sure. Urban may or may not have been an arrogant sob, but he brought the goods. So I think that's where I think that's where it's a difference. People don't like unwarranted. You know, that's when it's really arrogance as opposed to confidence. Is can you back it up? The other thing that's interesting, I think there's a difference between uh, you know sort of the arrogance and and the drama. Like what I see a lot of times is uh, people are are a bit drama averse, at least when it comes to their team. Mm, uh, yeah. I referred earlier to being a, a Steelers fan. And, you know, I see this, with the Antonio Brown and uh, the, the Le'Veon Bell situations, two of the best in the business at their particular positions. And Steelers fans are are done with those guys. And, and uh, understandably so, I think at least in the case of Bell, um, but you know, you look at Antonio, Antonio, man, it's hard not to like that guy when you, <laughs> when you see him as an individual, but then you watch some of this, what I call the drama, uh, that has nothing to do with football. And it's like, dude, you got the world by the tail, right? Uh, you got one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, throwing the ball to you, you know, you're making untold millions. Just, just enjoy it. Play, play ball. Uh, I think that's where when I look at, you know, Tater later here, it's like, all right, dude, um, <laughs> you want to be an Instagram model or do you want to be the starting quarterback for the football team? Like, so you, here's you, the thing, though. I mean, I to your first point, I mean, Tate Martell, you know, when he was at Bishop Gorman was 45 and 0, right? He destroyed people. He's like second all time in Nevada in terms of total yards in high school. He came to Ohio State, worked his butt off. He's been good. I mean, again, he has not actually played any real significant time in games but every right. time he's been in he's been very good i mean mm-hmm. he's he's put up yards he's shown off his you know athletic ability and running I, I think he knows that he has the capability to be a good quarterback or even a great quarterback depending on the situation that he goes into now i don't necessarily think it'll work out that easily for him but it could He's he's got the ability so i think he has reason to believe that he could go out there and be a really really good quarterback but I do agree with you on that last part where the drama really does bother people. And that's completely fair. That is 100% fair, especially after all the drama that Ohio State's been through the past, you know, several years, really. Um, that That is something where if people see that and they just kind of roll their eyes and like, I don't really need this right now, which is, I totally understand. Totally, and, totally get that part. And I, I mean, I take it back to recruiting in that, you know, the, the guys I, I think become uh, some of the most loved you know, you know, I remember, uh, I think it was Von Bell. Was Von Bell the one who like literally called Urban on signing day? It was like, hey, I'm going to commit to Ohio State. You know, it, was, it would have been oh, totally, yeah. you know, totally under the radar. It was Von Bell, right? With the suspenders and the cool glasses. I'm, I'm, I, I'm almost... I think it was Von Bell. Yeah, where he was on ESPN. Yeah, and it was just like nobody knew where he was going because he just yeah. had been close to the vest. And he's like, boom, I'm going to Ohio State. And you know what? that dude was all, never any drama out of him. Nope. Uh, you know, d- took care of his business. One of the best in the game and, you know, and he's doing it at the next level as well. The, the really great ones. <laughs> so many more often than not. Now somebody's going to well, actually in me in the comments, <laughs> but you know, uh, c- uh, compare that to, 
um, Gibson here a few years ago. You know, it was the most drama-filled recruitment of all time, and now right. he's transferred six different schools and is never going to play a meaningful down of football anywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, which do you prefer? Yeah, um, and that's and that's like I said, that's a definitely a fair point, and you never know how those are going to work out either. Uh, the other thing, we got a little bit of drama with the basketball team going on. We are a three-game skit, <laughs> sir. That's not good. I mean, look, Michigan State, okay, I get that. That's fine. Rutgers, you, I wouldn't say it's inexplicable. I mean, you could say that maybe you have a hangover after Michigan State. You're really, you know, like not into it. And then Iowa just kind of kicks the crap out of them a little bit. So what what do we have here? What's What's going on? <laughs> Well, I mean, of those three games, the Rutgers one is the one that I, you would call the the bad loss, I suppose, in the, yeah. at least in terms of the optics, right? That you Ohio State should never lose to Rutgers in anything ever, uh, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. you know, I, Iowa may not have been ranked, but I don't think they're a terrible basketball team. Um, and Michigan State, hey, you know, Tom Izzo is my uh, non-Ohio State basketball coach man crush, I guess. I just think Izzo's the real deal. So so that, you know, that didn't bother me. I, I think Coach Holtman warned us about this, didn't he? You know, yeah. the, those early weeks of the season. And, and uh, when somebody asked him about, um, you know, early on, he said, we're not going to do in the Big Ten what we did last year. I mean, he was, he was preemptive about that. And, and you might say, okay, that's all about managing expectations. And maybe it is. But I also, man, I th- I think this Chris Holtman dude is legit, and I uh, absolutely believe him when he said that. You know, we're not, and it seemed hard to believe at that point because we were having this fantastic early season, the non-conference schedule. Ohio State just took care of business. Uh, I was at that Syracuse game; that was the one loss, and I thought it was our fault because that was the one game we were going to go to <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> you know, so uh, but looking back. You know, and people, we kind of were like, oh, well, that was that, you know, that Bayheim uh, defense is pretty unique and, and uh, hard to hard to play against and so on and so forth. But no, you know what? This Ohio State team does have some missing pieces to the puzzle. And yeah. uh, this is we're seeing, I think, what Holtman told us we would see at some point. And honestly, I mean, look, you, you look at the actual roster up and down. I mean, you've got some really good guys. You got some guys who are going to evolve, I think, into some really nice players but I think the Iowa game is a really good example of what Holtman has been talking about I mean you look at Caleb Wesson for example who had 23 minutes he had like two points on one of five shooting and you know a couple games before that he's like going mad gears and try to get as many points as he possibly can that's it's it's not a team with a ton of leadership they don't have a ton of really great experience I mean they expected um, you know, to get some of that leadership from Woods, but you know, and they've they've gotten that in spurts, but really the offense hasn't been great. And when you're not shooting well and you're having difficulty defending some of you know the things that other teams are doing, you're just you're gonna have a hard time getting any kind of consistency going, which is really what it's it looks like. It looks like you can see a really good team for five or ten minutes at a time and then they kind of regress a little bit. And it's it's going to be there. I mean, until you get some of the guys, uh, you know, playing to the level that they need to, you don't have a Kata Bates D up this season. You don't. Like, Caleb's looked good. He has looked good, and he has done some really uh, nice things offensively, but he's not consistent enough to do that, and especially when teams are just going to be laser-focusing on him because nobody else can really score on a consistent basis. You want C.J. Jackson to be that guy? He's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be that dude. Um, yeah. 
and that's and that's okay. I mean, that's kind of what the team is. They're going to a really difficult stretch overall in the in the schedule. I mean, it's it's not going to get much easier <laughs> for the next three or four games. They got to play Maryland, which is you know not a pushover. They've got Purdue, which you know again not as good as they've been in past years, but still like could pose a problem. Uh, then you've got to play Nebraska, which is thirteen and four. And then of course. You got Michigan, which is sitting at 17 and 0 and ranked second in the country right now. So it's it's a difficult, it's a, gonna be a little more difficult than some people expected because of the beginning of the season. That's okay. I, I agree with you. I think Holtman is a really great coach who recognizes what uh, his team needs to do and improve on to get better. But I I am actually really fascinated by this. And this is kind of what the opportunity that newer coaches give you is to to see how they respond to this kind of adversity. And I am curious about how Holtman responds because there's obviously some changes that he's going to have to make scheme wise. And it's just, you know, you're going to have to make them quick because they're going to start coming at you pretty fast. I think the thing that uh, I've really just been amazed about is that Holtman's teams to this date have really overperformed um relative to their expectations right we should not have had as good a season last year as we did uh i remember when i first started going to ohio state basketball games and jim o'brien was the coach uh one of the guys i went with so the thing he loved about o'brien was that he, he wasn't a terribly good recruiter he's you know an average recruiter but he wrung every bit of good out of those teams you know he took yeah. uh, you know average talent and and exceeded the talent because he was a pretty good coach off the bench. I'm sure somebody again will well actually me in the comments, but <laughs> just take, you know, one, one man's opinion. I, I was always of the opposite sense with that motto. He was a blue chip recruiter who was, you know, an okay coach off the bench. Uh, he got great talent to Columbus and it pretty much stayed at that level for the one to four years. It was there. Right. I feel like Holtman's going to be that guy that is going to be able to recruit, great talent to Columbus and is going to develop those guys. Now the challenge in the short run is, you know, there is no trade deadline looming here where you can go out and pick up a shooter. Um, looking back at that Iowa box score as an example, you know, what was the difference in that game? The difference in that game was Iowa shot 45 and a half percent and Ohio state shot 37%. Uh, Ohio state actually did pretty well, on the boards, uh, total rebounds were were a draw between the two teams. Uh, that's okay. Um, Iowa better blocks, uh, better in steals, um, pretty much the same in in assists. So you had turnovers. Ohio State lost the the turnover margin there, and and shooting. And like you say, you, you know, manufacturing another shooter at this point, probably not <laughs> a realistic expectation. So probably you not, just no. got to, you know, hope that you see the team. Uh, through some of these games because your your non-conference schedule is going to get you some leeway come tournament selection time so but you've got to go out here and win some conference games so I, I mean I think you're right they're coming into a pretty tough schedule you got to try to steal a couple of these along the way and and hope for the best down the stretch yeah and it, you know speaking to the future and you're talking about the recruiting element I mean you've got you know DJ Carton coming in and, and some of these other guys Gavney that's that's going to help out a lot and you know, I agree with you 100%, by the way, with Thad Mott. I think Thad Mott was a great coach, but I, I definitely agree that he was not necessarily uh, as adept at maybe coaching up the talent to the level which, you know, they might be able to perform. 
given their high school recruitment at least. But, you know, we're going to see what happens. We're going to see how he adjusts. We're going to see how he changes, and, and that should be fun. Last thing I want to talk about in this segment, and th- I'm, this is why I'm so happy that we have you here, I want to talk about wrestling. Wrestling's going on. Ohio State wrestling is still cool and good, and just because Kyle Snyder isn't on the team anymore does not mean that people shouldn't pay attention. And so, Andy, I want to ask you, as, as our you know wrestling expert, you know, what should people know to get them out to a, a duel, like to get them out to uh, see this wrestling team? What is something that can motivate people when they don't have, you know, one of the world's greatest wrestlers on the team? So I think one of the things, particularly those of us who sort of live here in central Ohio, you know, if, if you're making a three or four hour drive, okay, I, I, you know, I get it, but this is probably the cheapest ticket in town uh, for a really family friendly exciting fun experience uh and and in st john arena you know which is where the team will wrestle all of its home meets other than uh coming up on the 25th when we host the wolverines in the schottenstein center um but st john is a great atmosphere it's one of the all-time great athletic venues of of any sport and um it's it's a super cheap ticket and i love going to meets because You'll have families with young kids, you know, say, for example, our our daughter uh, is five years old. We went to the Penn State meet last year. Uh, No, Penn State. Well, anyway, we went to one of the meets last year and she just had a ball. Now, does she understand, you know, collegiate wrestling at five years old? Eh, She's picking it up as we go. She's picking it up as we go, right? But uh, (laughs) she just had a fantastic experience. So um, I would definitely encourage, you know, families who you want an inexpensive um, chance to go and cheer on a Buckeye athletic team. Hey, this is, you know, maybe maybe you can't take uh, your family with uh, 2.5 kids to every football game this fall, but man, you can go and see the rest of these um, wrestling meets. The other thing is this team is really good. I was talking with somebody earlier today. So wrestling in the NCAA this season, you could probably just say this in general, but this season in particular, you know, Penn state is a clear number one. And then there's a pretty good golf. And at least at this stage in the season, and then you have Ohio state, and then there's a really big golf (laughs) <laughs> before you get to numbers three, four, and five. And three, four, and five, you kind of have Iowa and Oklahoma State and Michigan are, are kind of bunched up there. Um, there are some really good teams that Ohio State has wrestled this season and just owned them. Uh, and, and I say that meaning uh, teams like uh, North Carolina State. At the time, they came to Columbus, number five team in the country, and Ohio State wins seven out of ten matches just i mean really took care of business wrestle wisconsin before the christmas break that's a really good wrestling team that actually won a couple matches that um against penn state here this past weekend that people didn't expect and man they took care of business and made it look like a romp um, against a pretty good team so you're watching miles martin is uh, in the conversation for the hodge trophy because he's having an incredible season so far he uh, uh, had a pen and a tech fall in two matches here over the weekend um, you've got uh, joey mckenna who's number two in the country at 141 pounds will be contending for a national title those two guys are seniors you're not going to see them wrestle 
uh, anymore after this season in Scarlet and Grace Lingulich. You want to go see them because they both, you know, Miles already has an NCAA title to his credit and will be wrestling for his second in Pittsburgh in March. And uh, Joey, I think, is a legitimate title contender um, again coming up in March. So you've only got a few more opportunities to see those guys before they graduate. They're going to be training at Ohio State for toward their international freestyle careers, but you want to see them while they're still Buckeyes, you've got a few more meets to do it. And I, I really encourage you to take advantage. Hell yeah. That's, that, that is one hell of endorsement. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. I, I mean, it's like I said, it is the only true Midwestern art form. Uh, the team's good. It's, it's in a great venue. And as you said, it's one of the cheapest ways to, you know, get a really awesome time, you know, when, when you got a weekend or two uh, to go check it out. So yeah, I I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, I think that's awesome. And, Anytime Ohio State has a, you know, a team and a cool sport and a fun, you know, environment that's ranked that high, I think everybody has a duty as an Ohio State fan to check it out. So Absolutely. I mean, number number two team in the country and, yeah. and the only team. So for people who don't follow the sport of wrestling, I'll give you a football analogy. In, Go for it. In Division One wrestling, Penn State is Alabama. And Ohio State is really the Clemson in the story. So, so <laughs> Ohio State is Ohio State. <laughs> so, well, what I'm what I'm getting at is Penn State has won the NCAA championship seven of the past eight years. The only other team to win the national champ, the NCAA championship in that span, is Ohio State. There you go. And the only team to really seriously challenge Penn State during that in in those you know. So we were runner up to Penn State last season and so on. The only other team to seriously challenge Penn State during that run. It's kind of funny. We've we've laughed um, covering this team the past few years because Ohio State's won three out of the past four Big Ten championships, and then Penn State has won three out of the past four NCAA championships. They've yeah. they've alternated. It's it's the darndest thing. Anyway, number two team in the country. So duels coming up. Michigan on the January twenty fifth. I mentioned is in Value City Arena at seven o'clock. So it's Friday night prime time against the oh, well, yeah. rival from up north, you know, and the shot, that'll be the one chance last year. I think um, duel sold more than 15,000 tickets when it was in the shot. So highly encouraged because that would be a great night for there to be a sellout. Um, but then Friday, February, Penn state comes to St. John arena. And there again, that would be one where the crowd could absolutely make a difference. So those are the next two home duels. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, just as a reminder, if you guys would like to follow the 11 Dubcast, you can do so by hitting us up on Twitter, rate and subscribe. You can also check us out on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and just really follow us wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, now it's, it's time for Ask Us Anything. Yes, hooray, the best part of the show. We, really uh, Yeah, it is. And we would love to encourage you to continue to send in those questions. Please do that uh, to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11 Dubcast on twitter we have we have a nice little i would say assortment of uh, of questions this week and the other thing that i would mention is that you know it being the relative off season i mean get get weird with it guys that's all i'm saying just get super <laughs> so this first one's from nathan he just wants to know is ohio state going for a sean mcveigh slash wade phillips situation with day and madison coming on madison's the and definitely an interesting hire coming in what do you what do you think about that Andy you know I, I actually loved it and and partly because I think this blend of uh you know the May December romance if you will <laughs> is 
is, I mean, it, it kind of works, right? So people use the analogy that, you know, Day and Wilson on offense this season and, and hey, you know, that sort of work. I kind of chuckled. I, I liked, you know, Urban Meyer's home for rehabilitated head coaches. And so now we're, you know, we're, we, we've kind of, uh, um, you know, moved, moved past that uh, with Coach Yano moving off into the sunset. We, we have far fewer rehabilitated former head coaches on right. staff than we, than we used to did. But I, I think this is really great. Larry Johnson, uh as uh who was it ramsey called him the team grandpa earlier that the guys seem to just love him and i had that impression that madison engenders that kind of love from his players and i think that's something you like particularly in a line coach right you you know you right. want to you want a guy who can get in their face but the guys will take it because they love and respect the guy who's in their face um and and there's that you know, wisdom. And if you go back and uh, I, I felt really good after reading Kyle Jones film study on what Madison's defenses are all about, solid fundamentals, you know, and this is uh, a defensive unit that could sure outside the defensive line because Larry Johnson has them as fundamentally sound as you could hope. But the rest of that unit could sure use um, a good you know, r- refresher on some of those basic defensive fundamentals. I think Madison's going to make them simplify the defense, make them faster, you know, and, uh, you know, gap discipline and all those sorts of things that at times this season, you're like, where's that guy supposed to be? Cause he wasn't (laughs) there. Where's he going? Cause that's a horrible angle. And so on, you know, well, I think you're going to see a sea change in this defense partly because I think think he'll. Yeah, no, I, and I'm I'm with you on that. I think he's there to kind of re maybe reestablish some of those things that you were just talking about, like just kind of hit the reset button a little bit, bring in a guy with a lot of experience and say, all right, well, this is what we know we have to do. And then we can get up to the Greg Shiano esque. All right, we're going to play man all the time and everybody's going to know exactly where they're supposed to be at all times. That's great. If you have otherworldly players, but if you feel like you need to rebuild the defense a little bit, you bring in a guy like Madison and you, you start to kind of, you know, reestablish what you have lost over the the past couple seasons um so yeah i i I think it's i think it's a good idea it'll be interesting how it plays out just because of you know the 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 weird patchwork you know of of coaches (laughs) that you have in that in that defensive room but you know i think you know larry johnson obviously is a really really impressive dude and and he you know if anybody can get them all to work together he's going to be that guy uh next one here this is from nelson he wants to know and this is, of course, in the aftermath of the national championship game where you've got, you know, Clemson really just beating the ever-living hell out of Alabama, uh, which was in its own way very entertaining and fun to watch. Uh, Nelson wants to know, how was Trevor Lawrence left out of the Heisman conversation? I'd like to say something flip, like, because he looks like sunshine from Remember yeah. the Titans, but I I don't have a good answer. You know, so here, I think one of the things that bugs me about this era of – and, and I'm, a, you know, working on being a full-time curmudgeon, so maybe I'll blame it on social media. You could blame it on ESPN if you want, and I don't care. But I, we we have too many of these questions, three quarters answered halfway through the season yeah, uh, that really don't need to be discussed until, you know, Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, and, and you go back and look at, I'll, I'll pose the question, why in the name of thunder was LSU with three losses ranked in the top 10 until practically Thanksgiving, you know, it's ridiculousness, <laughs> ridiculousness. And, and it was because the decision had been made by, you know, the people out there that talk about these things all the time that, Oh, LSU is a good football team. We decided that in September and 
geez, we're going to take four losses before we realize, oh, maybe LSU is just an okay football team right. or, or the whole, you know, is there ever a more ridiculous debate than whether or not a two loss Georgia should have been in the playoffs? Good grief. You know, everybody who made that claim looked really dumb when uh, Georgia, oh, by the way, maybe wasn't that good because they merely covered against Alabama in a <laughs> loss. I, yeah. I just, you know, those are all things that I think once you get that that narrative rolling downhill, people had already decided it was Tua and Kyler, and that's how the story played out. So I think that's that's a big part of it. The other thing is that I don't know that Dabo did him any favors with the way that the offense for Clemson was run at certain points. Like if you look at his stats, because I w- I thought this was an interesting question too, and I was looking at his stats before we started doing this. It's it's all over the place. He had, for example, uh, against uh, you know what turned out to be a pretty decent Syracuse team, he had 15 passing attempts. That was it. Mm-hmm. He was 10 for 15 for 93 yards. I mean, he wasn't bad, but they only let him throw it 15 times uh, against Louisville. He did it. He threw 12 times. Like that's it. And it's that's you know that is what with the ninth game of the season. So he turned it on in the last four or five games. Well, you could argue last last six or seven games really. And was just out there. But there are games, you know, where he's throwing for 93 yards a couple times, 59 yards, 118 yards. It's not his fault. He's still doing really good. He just wasn't given the opportunities necessarily. So I think you're right. I think by the time that he could have established himself as a Heisman contender, it was already mid-October. And the narrative was set. They wanted to talk about Kyler and Tua. And, you know, forget Dwayne Haskins out here, like destroying every Big Ten record. I just think that they they did not that you know people jump on that early because they want to have something to say and yeah I mean he was left out of the conversation because he just didn't really get the chance to shine as much. The other part of it that you have to think about too is there was absolutely no drama question uh, that Clemson was going to be in the playoff. You know yeah. what's the, what's the difference between the ACC and the Pac-12? No, well. ter- I mean, if you pick if you <laughs> picked up Clemson and dropped them into the Pac-12. The result would be the same. You know, yes, Clemson, Clemson is correct. one good football team in that conference. And so, you know, they play these teams like Syracuse. I, I contend that if Clemson played in a different conference, you know, they wouldn't be nearly be seen as nearly so dominant as what they've been in the ACC, but they can kind of sleepwalk their way through and, and then occasionally drop a team against a stinker like a Syracuse or Pitt sure. or whatnot that, you know, can get up once a year for a big game, but they're not challenged week in and week out. Like, I don't know, say an Ohio state team that plays in a big 10 that has a handful of really pretty good football teams every year right. uh, or, and give the devil it's due you know, Alabama and the sec West that has you know a couple of pretty good football teams year in and year out. So I think that's part of it too, is that people weren't watching Clemson with the same, you know, type of, Hey, there's a story to be had here. Right. And Alabama gets the coverage because it's Alabama and I don't have any hate in my heart, by the way, people really enjoyed Clemson beating the socks off Alabama. I kind of didn't. And here's why, because Alabama is a worthy foe and, and I I don't hate Nick Saban. I think he's entertaining and, and uh, uh, I like that kind of, you know, uh, cyborg like focus he has on winning (laughs) and damn the torpedoes. Clemson, I hate Clemson with the fiery passion of 10,000 burning suns because, you know, 
Uh, only team Urban Meyer lost to in bowl season. Uh, that whole Woody Hayes thing. You oh, know, sure. yeah, Char- Charlie Bauman had it coming, but uh, like <laughs> nothing good has ever happened involving Clemson football. You know what's interesting? So shout out to to our good friend Vico on that one. Um, what I would say is you're kind of right. I mean, Nick Saban is who he is. Nick Saban makes no bones about who he is. And there's no, you know, duplicity. He just, he just kind of, you know, he's, he's like you said, a football robot who hates everything, but winning games. And then he doesn't actually enjoy it. He just likes the fact that he won them and then moves on to win even more. And that's fine. You can be a Bill Belichick as least, as long as you're honest about Bill Belichick too. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you're honest about what we're doing. Dabo, I don't like Dabo Swinney for so many different reasons. We're going to talk about that uh, maybe at a later date. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, the guy seems like a snake oil sam- salesman yes. in a lot of way. And I, I love the team. I love the dudes on that team. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is incredibly amazing. For guys being you know, 18 years old and doing that is just unbelievably insane. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I don't have any real love or enjoyment of, of Dabo winning games. And, you know, Nick Saban. Been is what he is he's he's the devil you know and i don't really necessarily begrudge him for that yep. so uh last one that we're gonna do here uh this is this is obviously you know we gotta have our good friend alvin obviously and he he wants to know this is a good question to go out on we've talked about these changes we've talked about some of these transfers and coaches coming in and all that other stuff do you think urban meyer would have gone after justin fields and do you think he would have went after uh, madison yeah i go back to precedent and and say you know did urban meyer ever go after anybody like that you know and and and, uh at that high profile not i mean it's granted it's a different age right so we're pretty much approaching we're pretty much approaching free agency as uh what wasn't a job wasn't it your your pal dabo who said that that we're uh yeah we're approaching free (laughs) agency he also said he would stop coaching uh players ever got paid which is real cute coming from a guy who makes seven million dollars a year I'm, I'm old enough to remember the time Jim Delaney said that uh, the Big Ten would uh, go to Division Three before they right. would pay the players right. too. So you know, yeah. hyperbole for effect, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so oh, that's a great question, Alvin. And honestly, I I don't know. I think Urban um, would have really liked to put uh, put Tathan in as as uh, the next starting quarterback because he's he's kind of the prototype for that that Urban Meyer run first uh quarterback and and uh that would have been an interesting offensive matchup to see i i also don't know about him poaching madison either uh although they had the connection of working together so so maybe you know there's one thing that urban i think you could fault him for is that his initial hires in a position seem to be really great or his replacements to a terrible hire seem to be really great but man, he was good about uh, once every hiring cycle for pulling in just a a bonehead either through blatant nepotism or uh, you know the good old boy buddy network right. or whatever you want to think about it. So the fact that Madison had that connection uh, back to the Florida days might might have might have been enough to get him in the door. See, I I actually take the opposite track on that from you. I, I actually think he would have gone after Justin Fields, if not just maybe nominally. I think he would have thrown his hat in the ring a little bit and maybe not pursued it in a big way. But I just feel that like Urban's instincts to get the best players that are available in terms of recruiting or anything else just would have kicked in. And I, I think he would have definitely gone after Justin Fields. Maybe not as vociferously as, you know, Ryan Day would because, I, you know, it's just a better fit. But Justin Fields is... 
I mean, the guy is is the highest ranked recruit in God knows how long. And I just I don't see Urban Meyer, you know, turning up his nose at an opportunity to get a guy like that on the team. Whether or not Tate Martell fits, you know, what Urban Meyer tended to do a little bit better. Well, the um, the other the the flip side of that though, Johnny, is I would I would question whether or not he would because you know, with him always thinking about recruiting, always thinking about recruiting, always sure. thinking about recruiting. Uh, one of the questions I've seen people people pose in, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with it or not, but what what does it say to parents of future recruits that you've essentially passed over without saying so a guy who committed to your program is in the program for two years working toward becoming the starter and, and you go out yeah. and pick up the shiny new car? Would, would Urban have chanced that that uh, being negative recruiting like oh don't go to high state because they're just going to pass you up for the next sure. thing when it comes along i do so, think- yeah, I've, I've heard that i've heard that argument because it's because I, I i understand totally where you're coming from with that i tend to disagree with that because i believe that when you have a recruit that that's at that level you're looking at four and five star quarterbacks no quarterback thinks that's going to happen to them when right. they're getting recruited they're like you know what i'm going to come in i'm going to win this job immediately i'm the best you know guy in the world and the coaches tell them that like that's that's yeah. what they've you know that's what they've been conditioned to be thinking of themselves and you kind of have to especially when you're going to go out and play ma- major college football and maybe you're a little undersized maybe you need to you know go out and be able to play a little bigger than you actually are so i you know i don't know that that necessarily is a huge factor i think they might see that and go like well that kid clearly didn't cut the mustard but i mean that's not going to happen to me because i'm amazing so i just you know i think he would have gone pretty hard after justin fields maybe not as hard as ryan day as far as madison goes i think he would have gone after madison if there was an opening that he could fill uh but i don't see that happening as much because i think he would have done what he wanted to do to try to keep like shiano around and some of these other guys because yeah, i he wouldn't have gotten rid of shiano exactly right so i would if there were an option to bring in madison i think that's definitely a place he would have looked i just don't think there necessarily would have been that opportunity but you're right i mean he is his biggest flaw one of his biggest flaws is that he he really had the need to kind of surround himself with familiarity and sometimes that meant bringing in the absolute wrong people uh for the program so i always felt like his hires were either exceptionally good or exceptionally bad like that i never <laughs> felt i never felt usually they were great usually they were really really good yes yes absolutely i mean his his staffs were pretty fantastic and and then you have a Tim back, or then you have yeah. uh, a Billy Davis, and you're like, "What the hell were you thinking, Who are Coach? You? You don't Where did that coach. come from?" Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, few months as we see the team kind of shape itself around Ryan Day and, and the players who are coming back and staying, and, and some of the narratives that develop around spring ball. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for wrestling, as everyone should be. Yeah. And uh, let's see if the basketball team can turn around a little bit. So we'll be we'll be watching. We'll be back next week. And thank you again, Andy, for coming on. It was great. Always love having you and, uh, you know, getting your opinion on things. Always a pleasure, Johnny. <laughs>